can start now. We've started. We're started. Are we starting now? Podcast is on. We're rolling. So I feel like I should be distracted by something like Ange. Yeah, Ange do, usually takes the lead and, and makes sure. Yeah, do, do I do my nails? Do I check my phone? Do I see if Brooke needs me or what? Sure. Those are huge. Do all those things because I'm not doing any of them. Those are either, either huge shoes or huge bra cups to fill. That's right. With Both. Ange. Yeah. I had to fill Ange's bra cups. Entered. Yeah. Wow. All A right. lot of work. Thanks for the bourbon. You're Cheers. welcome, man. This is this is dudes. That's all it is tonight. No chicks. Michael Shaw's. Although I gotta tell you, dudes in the closet probably doesn't have the same ring to the listening audience as you and Ange in the closet. Probably not. Just saying. So we're we're not in the just to be clear, we're not in the closet here. We're not in the closet. We're, we're we, out. It'd be the, too awkward for us to be in the closet. We're out in the open. Not that we have anything to be out in the open about. Not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> but suddenly I feel like I'm in a Seinfeld episode that I need yeah. to explain myself. No, don't worry about so it. So perhaps I not, should just shut up now? Yeah, not here. You don't need okay. to explain yourself. It's the week of Christmas. It's the week of Christmas. We have set a world record for us. And that's we, as in Ange, has got everything done. All your shopping? All the sh- I think we've got to pick up a few knickknacks for like her parents or something by Wednesday. So See, it's considered done. No, I mean, I'm talking no, wrapped. you're not done. No, I'm talking you're not wrapped. Done. No, you're not done because you know what? On those years, those really rare years that I feel like I'm way ahead of the curve and I do all my Cyber Monday shopping and I do all my local right. small business shopping and I'm like, oh, all I have are knickknacks. I'm done. And then... Christmas Eve, I'm scrounging for the knickknacks because, like, I became so complacent about being done, but I wasn't done. <laughs> it's like the guy who is running for the touchdown and starts celebrating at the five-yard line, only to right have there. the ball knocked away by the guy, the defensive player hustling down the field. That's what you got to warm. That guy gotta, didn't. Yeah. That guy didn't have Ange running beside him, yelling at him to stay, yelling at him to stay focused. You're not there yet. I'm celebrating. She's not. She's in my ear still like, let's get this done now. Can't wait till Wednesday. So it'll probably be done tomorrow. Yeah, so you're not done. Eh. That's why we're not in the closet, because there's so many gifts in there wrapped and stacked up for these kids. The the worst part about getting done early or, or doing the shopping early is that the kids decide they want something different. You know, we give them all a budget. They're so old. And we let them Oh, really? Pay. Is that how you do it? Yeah. So we give our kids a budget, the girls especially, because it will drive you nuts trying to get them stuff. We let them get it. They, they can pick it out. They can get It used to be that they would just pick it out with Ange and she would go get it, and they wouldn't really know what they're getting. You know what I mean? They'd pick uh-huh. a bunch of stuff. Now it's just like, get it online this year especially. It was like, get your stuff and have it shipped here. Load up the Amazon cart, whatever. We'll pick from it. And then we wrap it. But then with Nate, we get all his done in like three days after it's done. He's like, man, I really want this. I really want this. This would be awesome to have for Christmas. I'm like, dude, your budget's shot. Like, you're done. Because he's a gamer. Right. And gamers, much like kids that age who have attention spans of 3.7 seconds. Yeah, like me. You know, they play a game. Gamers play a game. They get to the 
132nd level in 27 hours, and then they're, they're on to the next thing. This is true. And they're always being sold stuff. It's amazing online. Oh my God. There's, yes. They're constantly watching YouTube videos and being sold all these this new stuff that just... But he'll be happy with whatever he gets. See, in my household, I have two, two daughters, 20 and 22, and I want a list. And I used to, and I still to a certain extent do, but I used to like have a list. I'll get the things or pick things from the list. But most of my gifts used to be like what I thought they wanted or I to personalize and make it special. Right. And, you know, you learn the hard way that's not always the best with teen girls. So <laughs> the percentage of what I freelance with versus what they specifically put on their list has shifted over the years. So now my freelancing is like in the 5% range. And, oh, gosh. you know, I go with their list. Right. And that's their mother in them, which is fine because I know that's what they want. Yeah. As opposed to the freelance thing, it's like, all right, you got a 50-50 shot, 40-60 yeah. shot that they want. Yeah, 40-60 maybe. But uh, I know I have to get on them. I started Thanksgiving to give me a list. Right. And it gets irritating because, like, I'm. should I have to beg you to give to me buy a you list stuff? of things that you want me to buy you? I shouldn't have to beg. And every year I'm, I'm, I end up reminding him like seven times. But anyway, so... What I'm, are you going to do? You know, I got, I got the list eventually and I'm, I'm probably 95% done. But... So I'm not all done. We're I have probably, next. Probably, I have stocking stuffers. Probably 98 to 99% done. Here's the thing. So I'll see you on Thursday night. Yeah. Oh, I'll run into you. Maybe we just go together. <laughs> just go probably, to get those knickknacks and yeah. stockings. Well, I have two yeah. cars out. The, uh, the, the thing that for me that's weird is like you give them a budget. And Maddie, she shops and she gets all kinds. Like she has tons of boxes to open. Tons. Like three times the rest of everybody. Brooke is the opposite. She wanted a Chromebook. And something else. So, she's got like three things to open. Okay, so that brings up an interesting... And I told her that. I said, that's all you're going to open. <clears throat> she's like, I know. I was like, you're old enough to understand this. So, kids, if you're under the age of 18 and you believe in Santa, he's real, but we're helping him out. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, that's actually God, I hope interesting. No kids listen to this. Because I don't, I don't give a budget. Always kind of hoping... My kids have enough self-awareness to be reasonable, which you know sometimes <laughs> happens, sometimes not. But my my daughters count; they're counters. Okay, yeah. And their their mom and I competitive counters. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. And their mom and I know this. And for your listeners who don't know me, long time divorce, but we get right. along. We we worked hard to get along in the best interest of raising the kids. But we know this about our girls, and we, we remind each other of this, that you know, if I get 10 things for daughter one, come hell or high water, I better get 10 things for daughter two. And it's really the opposite. Daughter one, who I joke, daughter one would, could make a competitive exercise over 
at mass going and getting a host. She'll make that a competitive exercise. Like, I got my host first. Really? I got to the priest first. I beat you. She's competitive. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, we'll count. So, if it's, you know, 10-10, and there's there's levels to that, because it's not just 10-10. It's like Price is Right. In their own head, they're thinking, okay, my 10 probably add up to $400. So, I can't just, like, have filler on the second 10 because the second 10, if it only adds up to $140, oh yeah, I'll hear about it. So they're good at keeping score. Oh my God. Perfect. Yes. So yeah, they, they're, they're really good they're at keeping They're competitive counters. They keep score. So it's just not count. They keep score. Like they're, they're detailed on this. Right. So That's the, why there's a budget. And so there's an explanation. Whatever you pick out. It, so this year, score. Daughter One gave me a list. I'm like, great. Thank you. And there was... There was one high-ticket item on it, uh, a computer. She mm-hmm. wanted a laptop computer. I'm like, great, you need one. That's, that's fine. Uh, and daughter, two, who has taken a gap year in college, gave me like five links to things she wanted. But after that, she's like, you know what? I, I really don't need anything else. Why don't you just make a donation in my name? to an arts program for local because he's kind of artistic to a local you know arts program for for underprivileged kids and this is my own fault i'm like first of all i feel like that's a trap on the one hand i'm like oh that's great that i mean i'm so proud of you for thinking that way i don't need anything Make a donation to my name for whatever else you would have spent on me. It feels like a very sophisticated trap. But in the second, yeah, which is terrible of me to think that, but I'm thinking trap? Because what if I do that? But then I'm thinking, okay, what did I add up daughter number one? How much did I spend? How much did I spend on daughter number two who gave me the five things? Do I make a dollar for dollar to make it even so I can, if ever asked well my my in my, case it's a trap i can say i spent the same on both of you, you why don't you do this so you can't be trapped you take the difference in the amount of money and you give it to her and she can use it how she chooses that way she can cho- i want you to choose where it goes where it goes i want you to i want with you even to choose the art you know whatever what a great donate idea. It to because I want us to have that. And if you choose to buy a coat with it, that's fine too. What a great idea. There you go. See, we got to talk or else we be we won't make it. What a no, that is a fantastic idea. I'm telling you. And I have to tell you, all right, I'm going to brag a little bit for daughter number 2 who again taking a gap year. She's like I really don't need much. Which was a proud parent moment. That's, yes. Which is like, man, okay. Good for you. Because you could have just filled the list and I would have filled it with stuff. Right. But you're like, I, I'm good. Daughter number two, that's odd. Because in our household, it's daughter number one that's really... Thinks that way? She's, she, ever since she's got a, a job and started making her own money, she doesn't ask for money. Like, every once in a while, she's at college and she'll... She'll say, hey, Dad, I'm so low on money. I just paid rent because she wants to be independent, right? And she'll say, I need to get 
shampoo and conditioner and some makeup. And I'm like, Maddie, that's where your parents. I tell y'all that every time you do this stuff, I'll send you money for it. And she's like, I don't want to, I, I know, I don't want to bother you for it. I work and I can pay for my stuff. I don't want to stress you out. I'm like, you're not. I can pay for your makeup and your hair products, the essentials, the needs, the necessities. Now, if you're going out and you want me to buy your alcohol or your, you know, ridiculous things, but that's the thing. She's the one that has always, I don't, she never asked me for gas. She has her own car. So when she comes in, I always try to slide her cash when she leaves here so she has some gas. Maybe she won't ask me. You know? Yeah. It's and weird. And she gets on me. She says, you need to do this so Brooke understands and Kaylee understands how to use money now that they're getting jobs. You need to not let them have, give them money. You need to make them spend their money on the things that matter so that they understand how hard it is. So I'm, it makes me proud. But then it's a little bit, you're, you're go, going away too quick, you know? You're pulling away too fast. <laughs> oh, I, hey, I am with you because daughter one, again, who graduated, she's the same way, won't, won't ask me for much, so that when she does ask, I am so willing to say, yeah, Venmo me. Oh, absolutely. And I have to tell you, I got a, the funniest Venmo just tonight. Because they flew from Chicago to here for the for the Christmas holidays, so I got an, a Venmo request from daughter number one, who again just graduated from college, has a job, and the Venmo request was, and I'm paraphrasing, because your second daughter doesn't know how to use a United app, and I had to pay for her checked luggage. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I have to pay that Venmo for daughter two doesn't have a job and didn't know how to use the United Airlines app in O'Hare Airport, and so I'll pay her luggage. That's <laughs> pretty funny. funny, but that's a, you know, if you trust your child to have that kind of judgment about money and know that they're good with it, it's so easy to to send them money for necessities or if they need it. And it makes you want to go the other way, which is, can I give you more? Absolutely. Do you, do you, don't hesitate to ask versus the one who hasn't learned that. And it's like, what do you need that for? And you're questioning every penny you give them as to whether they really need it or not. Isn't that not. funny? That's how nat- nature is, though, in life. Like we've talked about that before. Me and Andrew talking about last night because we did a relationship podcast last night. I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast, but afterwards... It was like we were talking about intimacy, we were talking about sex, we are talking about... It's like you can't spend too much time together and you can't be too needy. Because if you're too needy, it kind of... Like that. If you're needy, it makes you want to question everything. And like, not necessarily question that there's something wrong, but it's just like it kind of is a turnoff more than if you're independent. You're more willing. Or if you let people be who they are and let them go in a way, it's, things tend to go your way a little bit more. If you're not overbearing, I guess you could say, yeah, right? I agree with that. And I haven't listened to that podcast. but We just posted it last night late, so it's just went up. But it's a bunch of questions we're answering. And I don't, I don't know if we got into that on it. But it's funny how your mind and your you, when somebody you can see their genuine intention is selflessness. You want to give more to them of whatever it is. And, and with my oldest daughter, that's it. It's like, I wish I could, you know. 
do more make life easier on her do more for her you know yep and then that parental parental instinct with the other ones that you know might not be that maturity level yet it's like the, you, the, it kicks in to be harder on them to teach them a little bit of a lesson to say hey you've got to learn that you can't you, you're not always going to get bailed out and we've all had to learn that I think so let me ask you this I mean you're a parent I'm a parent many of your, less, many of your listeners are parents did you read any books on being a good parent how to be a good parent how to parent daughters you have a son. I don't have a son, but how to parent? Did you read articles or books about how to do it, how to do it right, well, how to do the right thing, or was it? I hate to say instinct, because instinct under underestimates the amount of learned what you've learned from your own experience growing up with your parents or parents and seeing how your friends interacted with and were raised by parents and that just formed a body of experience that you tapped into in order to parent which one which one was it Inst- I didn't read my the funny thing is is my uncle and I still sometimes feel bad cuz I still have the book and I'll find it and when I had my second daughter my uncle, who has two daughters and a son, he's a missionary in Africa. I spent a summer with him in Africa. But he. I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Where? Uh, Cote d'Ivoire, the Ivory Coast. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. So many amazing stories, so many amazing experiences. Phenomenal. It was a phenomenal summer. Yeah. It was, it was incredible. Me and my brother. Oh, we're going to talk about that sometime. I want to dive deep into yeah, that. Let's, yeah, let's do that. All right. Maybe next week or the week after. If, if we'll do this again soon, of course. But he gave me a book, and it was Raising Daughters. And he's a pastor. I had have, I have the same book. And, and I read maybe two chapters, and I'm just not a reader. I'll read something if it just captivates me. Like, if it sucks me in, it's, it's almost like it's ridiculous, like I'm obsessed. Now, today, right now I read. I listen to books constantly. But I challenged myself about a month and a half ago to read ten pages a day. And I probably read 10 pages three to four days a week. Well, no. When I start reading 10 pages, it ends up being 20. But I read so much at work. Nothing like you. You're a lawyer. But I read all day long. So for me to want to read pleasure, I just want to fall asleep as soon as I start reading. So, But to answer your question, it go, I would have to say that all of my parental... I'm very... I was always very worried and interested in doing it the right way and I always looked back at my parents because they've been together forever. They still are. Not that that means you're a good or bad parent, but I got to look at that model since I'm with somebody and I've been with her. for like, So kind of went off how they did things. But then I didn't do it exactly the same way. So there's a lot of instinct. And there's probably a lot of things wrong. There's days I think, man, I wish I would have read that book. <laughs> I, honest to God, say to myself... I wish I would have prayed more, and I wish I would have read that book. I don't know if that book would have done anything for it, but at least I could say I read it. And I don't know if my daughters would think that about me. Like, he could have done a whole lot better. But as a parent, you kind of always think, gosh, I could have done this better. I could have been, you know what I mean? So I was recently, within the past week, telling somebody 
you know, I got a lot of books, and you start with what to expect when you're expecting. Well, yeah, I like did that whole thing. That's the quintessential. Right. Yeah. You get that as a couple, and right. the wife reads it front to back and takes yes. notes and highlights and underlines, and there's notes written in the margin. And the husband's like, can I get the cliff notes? That's exactly what it was. Exactly. That you was, read that, right? So right. We're that, good. Fill me in on the highlights, honey. And then I got other books when I still have them in my bookcase, for goodness sake, that I never read. Or I read like the description of it, maybe the foreword or something. But beyond that, instinct, experience, I did the absolute best. But at some point, you have to, and I think you're kind of there with Maddie, your older one. Mm-hmm. At some point, you just have to let go. Right. And look, there's a certain amount of hope, whim, and a prayer that what you were trying to instill in them, what you were trying to guide them to be, I hate to say form, because that's, right. to me, that's too intrusive. Sure. But the path that you were trying to gently influence them to get on, which right. is to be a good person. Right. You hope it takes. You hope a certain takes. amount of hope, women, a prayer. You hope it takes. Yes. And I feel like it is taking. It's just you've got to be patient with, you know. Well, and it doesn't all happen at once. And you know, it starts early. And this is another way I've described it to people. I wasn't a helicopter dad. Right. And and I know the mother of my kids was not a helicopter mom because we talked about it. Nor we were we. Of, right. We were of the opinion that your kids have to sometimes fail because it's only through failure that you learn right. and rise from the ashes. Your kids sometimes have to fall and scrape their knees. And you can be there. You can't prevent them from skull, falling and scraping their knees. You might wipe the blood from their knees. Right. But don't be such a helicopter or, or interventionist parent that you're like, oh, they're going to fall and scrape their knees. Let me stop you from falling. Right. No. Kids have to fail. Kids have to fall and scrape their knees. And you hope that they learn the lessons to be learned from that so that... They grow up to be, again, more self-sufficient. A productive citizen. Productive citizen. Thinking and not believing that, oh, if all else fails, I actually don't have to work hard or make good decisions because I'll be bailed out. Right. Right? Right? Yeah. And that's such a fine line. (laughs) I always envision it in my head and I describe it to people. It's a very fine line. Like, all right, I'm hovering over as I'm watching my child fail. I'm hovering over watching my child fall to her knees to scrape them. And my instinct is to reach out and prevent it from happening. But at the same time, I'm not because I'm like, I'm going to make sure nobody interferes too too much with this process. Because they need to scrape their knees to fail. Have to. And hopefully the consequences won't be too bad. I'll always be there for the consequences but maybe kind of interventionist in the sense that I'm going to try to prevent the consequences from being too bad. 
Right. That's how lessons are learned. Anyway. They have been for me. They Parenting still are. Parenting 101 right there. Parenting 101. Let them fail. I agree. You have to. They. I mean, that that's one thing for me growing up is I, I always, I never wanted to mess anything up or fail. And so I was. You were the youngest, weren't you? I was the oldest. I was the okay, oldest. How did I get that you were the youngest? I was the oldest of four. I knew you had, you know, I knew I knew two you had brothers and a sister. And my sister's 13 years younger than me, something like that. But anyway, yeah, I'm the oldest. And my dad always said that about me. He's like, you, Jeff will try anything. He doesn't care to fail. I didn't really care to fail at sports. Like, I went and I played hockey. Nobody was playing hockey. I went and did. I tried about anything. I skate. I was a skateboarder. I was. I, I would try anything and didn't care. I played baseball my senior year. I hadn't played before. I went out. I made the team. And I I wasn't great, but I went out there and I wasn't, I wasn't scared to make mistakes. But in, in other areas of my life, whether it be when I first started working or in my relationships, I, there's a problem with trying to be perfect because you make excuses for your behavior when you shouldn't. You should just own up to it. You know what I mean? And I had a problem with that. And you don't learn. You don't get better because you're too busy trying to cover up what you screwed up and lie to yourself that you don't learn the lesson. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I had when I was in my 20s, I had the worst problem with that. Because if you try to be perfect, guess what? Nobody's perfect. And the more you try to be perfect, and that's not a bad goal to have. Right. But you'll never never achieve it. But if you try to be perfect and believe you should be perfect, then that just sets you up to excuse why you're not. It's, it's true, and that's what I did a lot of cases. That's what and it that, sounds and, like. And that's what I think a lot of people have that same issue, especially when you're young. I see it in my daughter sometimes that they, they're so one-sided. And you may see this whether it be political views, whether it be religious views, whether it be their opinions are so harsh to one side and that they won't accept anybody with an opposing opinion sometimes. And I'm at my age, no, but I was like that, all right? And now I just try to tell them, you're making yourself dumber. You need friends that have opposing views. You need to have conversations. You need to empathize. You need to try to see it from every angle. Get out of so, your silo. So that you can be smarter, so that you can be more educated, so that you can contribute to the lives around you more. Man, I I know exactly what you're talking about. And then I'm talking from a 45-year-old who's the same. So it's like this evolution. You hope they have that same evolution just quicker. Right. You want them at... You know, their late teens, early 20s, you want them to have the critical thinking and perspective and life experiences you have at 45. And it's sometimes hard as a parent right. to realize, you know what? They don't. Because I, I have the same experience, and I know we don't get political in the closet, but I have two daughters that. They have strong views. I'm and, with you on that. <laughs> and when I bring up a a counter view or one, I wouldn't even call. I mean, I don't call it a counter view. 
but it's a more, I'll call it a softened, more moderate view than what right. they have. They're so quick to point me to to paint me as some sort of extremist to the other end of the political spectrum. Right. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. You can't Stop. even. Yeah. You can't Stop. even think that way, or else you're put on that side of the fence. And I'll give one example again, Cancel. not going too deep into political, but climate change. I have one daughter who believes that is the number one existential issue that we are facing. I'm like, okay, I got it. But I suggested to her that maybe what we ought to be doing is devoting more resources without denying that there's change going on. Maybe we as a society ought to be devoting more resources to adapting to climate change as opposed to preventing it from happening in the first place. And she she immediately went off on a rampage against me like I am some sort of climate change denier and I am some sort of neo, you know, conservative who wants to embrace fossil fuels. I'm like, no, wait, wait, wait a second. You understand there's a reason we don't have dinosaurs, right? And the reason we don't have dinosaurs anymore is because there was climate change. And that climate change was driven by the latest scientific theory is there was a big meteor right. that hit the hit earth, the earth. Right. big cloud of dust that cooled off the planet such that dinosaur and that had nothing to do with the burning of fossil fuels I mean, that was literally hundreds of millions of or hundreds of thousands if not millions of years Probably before of years, yeah. we had the first combustible engine right in england in the 1700s you understand that right didn't want to hear that. <laughs> Didn't want to hear that. Well, <laughs> it's like, she don't, come on, man. She don't want to hear it, but you got to understand, they're in, this is the day of Twitter where they are, they're, they're wanting so badly to go up against the climate change denier. That's what their whole stature is Because they're in their silo. They're in their silo. And it's silo. fun. It's fun to be part of a and tribe. Anybody who doesn't agree with you is right. automatically on the other side. It's like no, we're on the. I'm on the same side as you. I'm just asking you to look at it a little bit differently. Looking at a slightly different perspective here. It doesn't mean you're not saying there still isn't a problem. And I'm not saying you're necessarily wrong. Wrong, right, right. But maybe the the problem is a little bit more nuanced, which means that the solution is a little bit more nuanced. Right. That than makes what complete you are sense. Thinking in your head. Yeah, trying to do that with a twenty-year-old. Well, I mean, you know I've, I've come to the, I've just kind of backed out. You know, I'll try to challenge, just if I, but not where I get emotionally involved, ever. It's just I try to couch it the right way to try to get them to think. And my exercise in the whole thing is almost not even to be combative or to disagree with them because you know like you said I may totally agree with them but it's like I almost want to exercise their brain a little bit and say hey have you looked at it this way you know and and they just immediately shut you off because you've suggested them looking at something from another angle which shows me complete lack of confidence in their viewpoints. It's like I always said once I hit like because religion is the same way with me. I grew up very religious, very dogmatic 
very this is the way it is and then one day I realized that it, it that the way I believed was wrong I don't mean that I don't believe in the Christian values and that I don't believe in Christ I mean the way I looked at religion was wrong because I believed I was brought up if you'd have doubt you have no faith if you have these thoughts you have no faith and then one day I go why in the world is the omnipotent God why why would he be threatened or worried about me saying are you sure that there's a well that swallowed up a man and spit him out see that's for me to ask that question though in Sunday school was a problem and there might be something wrong with Jeff and why would he be and then your parents are looked at as not good you know what I mean yeah, they failed they failed because why is he questioning anything? And to me, oh my God. please question. Question. God's bigger than your questions, and he will answer them, and you will be fine. It just might be a different answer than you're looking for. Okay. Yeah, there's a whole lot to unpack there. But <laughs> Sorry. Wow. I, I easily get pulled down the religious thing because it's such a huge part of my existence. Well, here... here. And we don't have to go way down that route tonight. Well, but no, two things I'll say in response to that. Number one, I think you may have known this, but I taught at West Virginia State for a long time. Right. And I taught social sciences and history. And in my time, this is anecdotal, it's not statistical, but in my time teaching there, the one thing that I saw decline steadily over the time that I was teaching was critical thinking and you may ask how can you have critical thinking in history because I made him write a research paper right and I made him I made him have a thesis and by having a thesis it means you you're making a statement of opinion got it whatever your opinion is and I would tell them I don't care what your opinion is you are not going to be graded on your opinion or on whether I agree or disagree with your opinion. What you will be graded on is when you come up with your thesis is build the case to support it, which means critical thinking. I've made a statement, which is, you know, FDR and his New Deal was the worst possible thing to happen to a democracy. FDR and the New Deal was the best possible thing to happen. And now with you have democracy. to support that statement. I don't care if you're right or wrong. Right. I care about how you build the case by going and doing the research right. to support your thesis. And that involves critical thinking. And I saw such an incredible decline in critical thinking that I think it's kind of borne out in society today. Where you can have an opinion, but whether or not you have evidence to support the opinion or you can use logic or reason to support the opinion is matters not it's complete lack of critical thinking and right. I and I'm I hate that I mean I'm, I rebel against that the second thought I have to what you say is you know the idea that you can't question faith I mean look you may have some fundamental believers and you're listening but I don't know at the end of the day I do not believe and I have never and I have actually read essays on trying to prove the existence of God by diving deep into molecular science and genetic Mm -hmm. science wow I've been 
Um, That's interesting. But having read that research, I truly believe that there is no possible way to scientifically prove through science the existence of God. That at the end of the day, no matter how deep down that rabbit hole you dive, there's a leap of faith. You must have a leap of faith, yes. And I do believe that the leap of faith is a gift. And sometimes, you know what? If you doubt, to me, that is the most natural thing. Sure. Because we're human. Right. It's where do you go, though, when you have that doubt. And, you know I mean? and I both admire and I am critical of. At the same time, I admit this. I both admire and am critical of those who just have unquestioned belief. Because in my mind, it's like you must, your world must be so simple. It is simple. I lived it. It's very simple because you get to block out that's the questions. The real world. The real world. No, is I know not that, that there's critical thinking, and that's my problem with tribes. We said that about whether you be in the silo of environmental, you know, what you're talking about with your daughter whether you be on that side of things and you're in this tribe, this group of people, I feel like when I look at the church, it's you fit into this mold. And it's not every church, and it's not all churches, and I know they've evolved and there's different... But, but still, if you go to a church usually, around here anyway, it's going to be a very similar crowd and you're going to fit that mold and you're going to start to do those things, you're going to start to fall into the patterns because that's what you do when you get in a tribe. You start, you stop questioning everything because you want to be a part of the tribe, and that can be very dangerous. It's, I think it, it it can be dangerous because it's like putting on. But your, it's extremely comfortable. It's like putting on your favorite, most comfortable pair of jeans, and your favorite warmest, most comfortable sweater. You put those on because they're your most favorite. Your warmest and your most comfortable. And if you find other people who wear the same jeans and the same sweater, you're going to want to hang out with them because it's just, it's comfortable and it's easy. It's fun. And, yeah. You know, guess what? That's the same basic human impulse behind segregation. Right. The impulse for people is to hang out with those. Who are most like you. The most uncomfortable is to hang out with or listen to or associate with those who are very unlike you. Right. So, you know, press the easy button. What's the easy it's button? It's natural. It's easy. I get it's that. easy. And so it's a challenge. Well, it's just I'm, I'm the guy that wants to ask questions. I encourage all the listeners. I encourage all the listeners this week do something that's not easy. Do something outside your comfort zone. Yes. Associate, talk with, seek somebody out. You see this in Hollywood movies all the time. You think think it's like a trite Hollywood, you know, device where you have the the odd kid, the weird kid, the geek, the nerd sitting alone at lunch, and you have one of the cool kids come and like sit down and talk with them. You can do that in your own life. But we do it not enough. No. We, we don't because it's hard. Well, yeah, it's the easy road to just yeah do what's comfortable and go to the places that are common. 
and it's but it's if you, anything if you want to grow and you want to strengthen yourself you have to be uncomfortable a little bit so what's the Just hardest like working out what's the like, hardest part of that being uncomfortable or of, of what's what's the hardest part of what you just described? I mean, I have an idea, but I'm asking you. The first. hardest part is is getting outside your comfort zone. It's finding people or groups to join. And I agree with that. Does but that once, make sense? once you get out, what's the hardest part? I would say listening. Listening. We're, we as a society. I mean, we have so many. We Especially have so, in that setting when you're an outsider. We have so many yeah. avenues to speak now. Snap, Twitter, Instagram. With no real rebuttal, Twitch. right? You can delete their comment if you want. Exactly. <laughs> you, can, you can limit comments back. You can drown out comments back. You can turn them off. You can, it's so easy now to speak. But what is really hard, or harder I should say, is to listen. And, and I'm going to use the, the old people's social media, Facebook. I mean, it's so easy to mute the people you don't disagree with. And or you, you have to be careful with. of the Facebook algorithm. You keep liking the people who agree with you agree with. Eventually, the Facebook algorithm is going to put you in the silo. Yeah, oh yeah, you're going to end up in the silo right. and it's end up in the in the in the Trump category, the Biden category, the Jesus category. But I want to I want to hear all the categories. Me too. I and while on social media I I'm figuratively saying listen because you're actually reading. Right. I want to listen and not just speak and it's a lot harder literally to to listen and it's a lot harder figuratively to listen. But that's kind of, the, to me, the hardest part about getting outside of your comfort zone is listening. That's a good point. To people who don't agree with you. That's a, that's, that's a really good point. And that's, the, that's, that's funny you say that because I train a lot of people in sales. And, and I was the same when I was young. But that's the one thing I tell people when these younger guys or I'm helping or, I'm, or I go on appointment with them or whatever. I, I say, the person talking the most is losing okay in this situation let me tell you, you about why you want insurance product a b c d and e don't put the script away put the coverage sheet away get to know the guy let him talk about his family let him talk about himself and then you get to that it might not even be yeah, but Jeff, i don't care about that i want to tell you about insurance product a b c d and e i don't want to talk to you anymore <laughs> right exactly <laughs> this is about me Correct. Right? And that's what it's hard for, right? Because we just want to talk because we got to prove ourselves and we got to convince somebody of something. And we got to. So it's kind of the same thing. You go into the room, you're not comfortable. So you've got to talk your way through it and you got to prove yourself and you've got to pump yourself up instead of sitting back and asking a different group or person questions about that, about their life, about what's going on, about the event you're at, about to get them flowing which it's just not easy for most people that don't practice on a regular basis so I may have told you the story if I have I apologize but the job I got right out of law school partner came to the law school where I was going and I had a 30 minute interview it's a long interview it's a long interview right 
30 damn minutes. Yeah. And I'll skip to the end. It's like the hangover. I'm going to skip to the end and then go back. Right. Skip to the end. That partner who interviewed me said it was the, one of the best interviews he ever had. I was one of his absolute best, and I ended up getting a job offer and, and went to work here in, in West Virginia. Skip back to the interview. One of his absolute best interviews and why I was one of the best interviewees, of that 30 minutes, I talked for maybe two of them. I was very conscious at the time. <laughs> this guy is talking a lot. And I am doing a lot of... Weird? Did that make you feel nervous at your age? Like that you should be... Should I be getting some more in? Should I be talking some more? I was conscious of it. I'm not sure if I was conscious enough to know it was weird, but I was conscious enough to go in, I'm not saying a lot here. He must like talking to me. I'm, I'm agreeing with him a bunch. But my agreement was like, mm-hmm, yeah. Oh, yeah. And he talked for 28 minutes. I talked for two. It was one of his best interviews, which was a great early lesson for me in exactly what you're talking about, which is sometimes the best thing you can do is just listen. Yeah. And he was going off about litigation. He could understand litigation. They're crazy and it's stressful. And he had a war story or two. He was not a litigator. And he knew that's what I wanted to do, and he thought I was crazy. And gosh, that's let me tell you what you're going to get into. And I'm like, uh huh, yeah, yeah, uh huh. Boom! I got a job offer out of it. It's incredible. But that's a great listen. But that was a great early example for me on the importance of listening. You can be super effective, not talking. You can be super effective just listening. For me, I look a lot smarter when I don't talk, so that helps a lot. <laughs> because when you do talk, you can tailor it to what the person you're talking to That's right. wants, thinks, believes, is thinking, leaning towards, whatever. And not just in the business sense, but in the personal sense, too. And I'll say this, then we'll close. And we'll do it again soon, but when I say that I I've trained people and I help people and I said I don't want to sound like I've got it all together because I'm 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 a much better coach than I was a player. Like <laughs> I'm a much better co- like I can see everything as a coach as a player and I'm in the game. I wasn't always as good and I might have talked too much. Or I might, but it's all those failures, like you said, right? Those early failures of screwing it up and having mentors or people that would be like I remember the my my guy in Atlanta when I really learned at a big firm going out on these appointments and he would go with me because you all that they had a philosophy for you never go out alone you take a benefit if I'm a PNC guy I always take a benefits guy with me you always have a guy with you and you critique each other the ride back because it always took forever because you know Atlanta traffic and whenever he went to me he was very blunt and he said that guy tried to tell you some, give you some answers, but you wouldn't shut your damn mouth. You know what I mean? And I go, what? What are you talking about? And he, because we were friends too. I go, what are you talking about? He was great. It went great. He's like, we'll see if it went great. But there were some things that he was. I could tell. And this guy's ten years older than me. He's done it a lot longer. He's failed more than me. So at that point, and he was right most of the time. And it helped me so much to mess those appointments up. 
and I thought I was doing good. If I would have been alone, I would have maybe kept doing it. Jeff, literally last week, I took a paralegal along for a, an interview of a client, very important preparation for a deposition. I took a paralegal along. And on the car ride home, this preparation took six hours. It, it was important. Right. And that's why I took the paralegal in the first place, because it was important. And on the way back, I said, so tell me what you think. How'd that go? How'd I do? Do you think I, I covered everything? Do you think I emphasized it? Do you think I handled these certain situations right? Because it, it necessitated some nuance and prepping a guy and pressing the witness. And she said, how long have you been doing this? I said, I've been doing it a long time. Why? She goes, you don't need me to tell you. I'm like, no, that's the wrong answer. It's because I've been doing it for so long. You need to give me an honest assessment. Because if I ever become too set in my ways or complacent, or think that I know how to handle something, it's time for me to move on. And I'm not going to be as good. So I need you to be honest with me and give me your assessment. That's the only way I'll, one, continue to get better, and two, not decline. Right. And she was looking at me like, what? I'm like, no, I need your honest assessment. How'd I do? So that's the same huge. thing. It's that's the same huge. thing. Yeah. The best always are trying to get better. In, Absolutely. In sports, in life, and when you get too complacent, you die. We did talk about that last night. There so. is a reason why LeBron James is the last one in the gym. That's right. You're right. Yep. First in, first out. Yep. Well, thanks. We're going to do it again soon, right? Absolutely. It's more bourbon. <laughs> <laughs>